going to go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 tonight. I'm going to switch over to this other mic. Daniel chapter number 7. And uh, continuing on in our study in the book of Daniel. Boy, I'm looking forward to digging into Daniel's prophecy um, here tonight. And we've got uh, some wonderful things to discover in this study. Thank you, Brother Zach. I sure appreciate that. And uh, somebody was so kind to remind me that the IU Indiana basketball game comes on at 640. And so we'll be out, I think, in 16 minutes, that is now. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm just kidding with you. Um, but someone was very kind to point that out to me before the service tonight. So there you go. Uh, we're going to take our time and we're going to learn something uh, from the Bible uh, here this evening. Now, some of you are going to start lifting up your phone in the middle of the service and say, hey, it's, it's, it's going. I mean, come on, finish it up. But uh, don't do that to me, okay? Because uh, God's got something for us from his word here tonight. And uh, Daniel chapters 7 through 12 contain the record of what we refer to as Daniel's prophecy. And uh, the end of the book of Daniel is prophetical, and the beginning of it is historical. Um, and we begin to look at these things in previous weeks. But in Daniel chapter 7 specifically, God unveils to us his prophetic plan for this world. And it is a fascinating plan for us to be able to hold into our hands. In summary, what we discover in this chapter is, is how God reveals the rise and fall of world powers right up to the time of the Antichrist. And uh, when the Antichrist comes, he'll reign in this world for a seven-year period called the Tribulation, at the end of which God's throne will be set, Jesus Christ will come again, overthrow the Antichrist, Satan, and all of his forces, and he shall reign forevermore. And that's, in a nutshell, God's plan for the world. Um, but uh, obviously, as we study this prophecy, there's much, much more to be discovered. And so I just want to begin by introducing the text here, and we'll pray, and we'll dive into our study from the Scriptures this evening. Let's look at Daniel 7, and beginning of verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and the visions of his head upon his bed. Then wrote he the dream, and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Remember we talked last week about these four winds representing a great controversy taking place between the nations of the world. Verse, verse number three. And out of that controversy, out of those four winds, there came four great beasts from the sea, diverse from one another. We began to look at this last week. The first was like a lion, and there's a description given of it. And verse number five tells us, and behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. And it gives us a description of it. Verse six, and I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard. And the description there, verse seven, after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And the, and the description of this beast is given. And of note on this beast, he saw ten horns. The end of verse number seven there. He noted ten horns. And then in verse eight, the Bible says, As he considered the horns, I, uh, he beheld, and there came up among them another little horn, uh, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. 
And I beheld till thrones were the thrones were cast down or set in place. And the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him and thousand thousands ministered unto him and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the judgment was set and the books were opened and I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And as concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominions taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season in time. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man come with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom and all that, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not be passed away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. What an incredible dream. We look, begin to introduce the concepts of this dream last week. This week we'll dig into what the Bible is revealing to us here for this prophecy. But as we do so, why don't we pray and ask the Lord to open up our understanding and our hearts to the truth of his word. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you, and Lord, we want to be helpful to your church tonight. And uh, there'll be much teaching. But in the teaching, I pray that you would put a fiery flame in the, in the hearts of every believer that's in here. And give them a desire to know your truth and respond to your truth. Eager to learn the truth of your word or for some of us to relearn or be refreshed of the truth of your word. Whatever our state of life is, we need to understand these truths and let them compel us to live a life in light of eternity. And I pray, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts. Give me clarity of thought and mind to be able to communicate the things, Lord, that you have taught me and that you have placed on my heart to convey through the preaching of your word. Most of all, I pray you'd set me aside and you'd speak to your people as only you can. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, in Daniel chapter 7, there are seven big ideas that are communicated to us, two of which we already began to look at last week. I'll review very brief, briefly. The first big idea we see noted really in just the first verse of Daniel 7 is the prelude to the dream. And as we come on the scene of this dream, there are several aspects of this prelude that we saw last week. We saw the date of the dream, 553 B.C. approximately. Belshazzar is reigning. Daniel is in his 70s around this time, perhaps his late 60s, as this historical account began to take place. It took place, uh, according to the history of the book of Daniel, between chapters 4 and 5 of Daniel's lifetime that is recorded for us in the, in the book of Daniel. And so that's the date of the dream. We also noted last week the deliverer of the dream. And that is the Holy Spirit of God through Daniel. These words were written by Daniel, but they were inspired by God um, and given to us. And so they are God's very words for us today. We saw also last week the documentation of the dream that God used Daniel to record these truths and has preserved them for us today, even through the translation of languages, so that what we have in front of us is the very word of God that we need to understand about God's plan for this world. That's the prelude to the dream. We saw also last week the particulars of the dream. We already read about the dream, but notably among those particular things we saw last week is there were four winds striving upon the great sea. In verse 2, 
<coughs> out of that came four beasts, a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a, and, and, and a fearsome beast that is described forthwith. And then on that fourth beast, there were ten horns, and among those ten horns was one especially pesky little horn, is what he's called in the dream. And he rises up among the ten horns and overthrows three of the ten horns as he does so. And then the Bible says the next one we see up here on the scene was the Ancient of Days. It's a wonderful, wonderfully beautiful name for God. And the Ancient of Days sits at his judgment seat ready to judge the world. And the picture of this is during the tribulation. And then we see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. He's a, the fifth one we see in this dream. He comes in the clouds to take ownership and dominion over all the world for all of eternity. And so these descriptions, these particulars are shared uh, for us in this dream that we began to look at last week. And every one of these particular details have specific prophetic meaning that is important for us to understand. Now, we could not possibly, even in several weeks or, or even months, exhaust the amount of truth that there is to discover in this passage of Scripture. Understand that. Um, but we're going to labor to give a, a, proper, uh, a proper study of this uh, for, for you as a church tonight. And for me, one of the most enjoyable aspects of studying Bible prophecy is being able to take these particular truths and uh, relate them uh, with, with uh, proper uh, biblical study techniques that we talked about last week. Relate them to the things that have actually taken place in our world or things that are yet to come, yet to take place uh, in our world. But understand, some of the things that God revealed to Daniel here were future for Daniel, but they're past for us. They've already taken place. And yet there are several things that God revealed to Daniel that have not yet taken place, but we know that they will. And that's the beauty of studying prophecy. Which brings us to the third big idea I want you to note down tonight. And that is the prediction of the dream. We've seen the particulars. Now I want us to see the prediction of the dream. Now the Bible goes on in verse 15. And it tells us that after Daniel saw this amazing and, and, and very fearsome dream take place in his consciousness. You can imagine how he felt. But while he was still in his dream, he was so curious about some of the things that he had seen that he goes up to one of the many messengers that is standing before the throne of the Ancient of Days. And he asks him, what's going on here? Can you explain to me what's happening? And he begins to do so. Notice what the Bible says in verse 15. The Bible says that I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body and the, and the visions of my head troubled me. And I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. So he's still in his dream at this point. But he's give, God's giving him not only the details of the dream, but he's giving him the uh, interpretation of the dream as well. And that is, that is so, uh, so important for us, for us to understand. We don't have to try to give an inter interpretation to these things. God has already interpreted these things that he wants us to know for himself. By the way, the things that we don't know, um, uh, th th those are things that obviously God did not want us to specifically understand or he would have specifically given us the interpretation for those things. It's fun to speculate. It's fun to look at, look at history and look at things and, and try to figure things out. But understand, in all of our efforts to do so, God's always right. We're always wrong. And there have been many people have gotten details of prophecy wrong in the past. And there'll be many more in the future because we, we can't possibly understand the mind of God. But I believe with diligent biblical study 
um, that we can, we can discover many of the particulars um, or many of the, the predictions that the Bible gives to us through Bible prophecy. And so as we look at the prediction of the dream, they are subcategorized for us into three, uh, three different uh, areas, uh, uh, three different uh, particular things that were described were about to take place in this dream. And the first one I want you to note down is the kingdoms of the world. First, Daniel in his dream sees the kingdoms of the world begin to unfold before him. Look at verse 17. You're still with me? Say amen. amen. Verse 17. These great beasts. Now he's talking about the four beasts that Daniel saw rise up out of the troubled waters. These, four, these great beasts, which are four, are, here's the interpretation, four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Now note this. Earlier in our study of Daniel... We understood that when God referred to Babylon, he referred to Babylon. Uh, 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 it, it, he, when he referred to Babylon, he also would refer to Nebuchadnezzar as Babylon. So when a reference is made to four kings, what the Bible's actually uh, talking to us about here literally is not just for limited human kings, but it's talking about four kingdoms, four empires that were about to rise up on the scene of the world. And we've studied these already in the past. We studied Daniel chapter 2, so I'm not going to park here, park here real long, but I do want to go and look at the, uh, the specific details that are shared about these rising kingdoms of the world in Daniel's dream. So go back with me to verse number four. Here's the first of those beasts or kingdoms of the world that God told Daniel are about to rise up. The first one that Daniel saw, what kind of animal was it? It was a lion. You write this down. It represented the Babylonian empire. You can correlate this with Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter two. These four beasts um, compared to the four aspects of the golden of the statue that ne that Nebuchadnezzar saw in Daniel chapter two, and the first one was Babylon. Babylon was the kingdom that Daniel was living in at that point in time. And look what the Bible says about it in verse number four: the first beast was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Now most most commentators agree that the eagle's wings speak to the swiftness by which the nation of Babylon overtook the known world of its time. Um, and it very, very, very swiftly and very thoroughly overtook the world. And the Bible says, I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, torn off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given unto it. Here's what happened. Remember what happened with old Nebuchadnezzar? He got prideful, didn't he? And in the, in the peak of his pride, God humbled him. And through the process of that, Nebuchadnezzar, which before had been a conqueror, now the perspective of the rulers of the kingdom shifts. And no longer do they have the fierceness of a lion, but the picture is that, they get, that he's given a heart, heart of a man. And so much so that by the time Belshazzar, his grandson, comes to reign, he is only interested in pleasing himself, having parties, whining and dining, He's no longer conquering the world, um, just enjoying being the, 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 the greatest nation of the world at that day and time. And so that's literally what is being described. The history of Babylon is being described in this verse for us. And it was at that point that when, that, that's when God brought up another nation to overcome them. And the second beast that rose up, what was it? The bear. Now the bear represented the Medo-Persian Empire. Let's look at it in verse 6. 
Verse 6 says, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. Not two wings now, four wings. Because the, the reach of the Medo-Persian Empire was even more expansive than Babylon. And the swiftness by which the Medo-Persian Empire conquered the world, it happened twice as quickly as, as the Babylonian Empire did. I mean, they, they very swiftly and thoroughly conquered the known world of their time. And the Bible goes on to say about this bear that it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. The picture is of a dead carcass, these three ribs hanging out the mouth of this bear. What in the world is that talking about? Well, it could be talking about several things. And again, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us, and so it's very difficult, uh, very difficult to give a, a, a solid interpretation about these things. But the nation of Babylon had three capital cities. And I believe the three ribs sticking out of the mouth of the bear were talking about how the Medo-Persian Empire overcame very quickly the three capital cities of Babylon. Uh, the, the known superpower of the world at that day and time. Had three ribs hanging out of the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise and devour much flesh. And if you know much about the Medo-Persian Empire, it was a ruthless empire. And, uh, and, they, and they eliminated their enemies very swiftly and very, very thoroughly. And uh, there was a whole lot of killing that went on uh, during that period of history as well. So it's describing the Medo-Persian uh, Empire uh, for us there. And uh, um, by the way, I missed a part up to the beginning of verse 5. It talks about the bear, how it was raised up. It, it raised up itself on one side. Well, what's that talking about? Medo, the Median, Persian Empire. At first, the Median part of the empire was stronger than the Persian side, but eventually the Persian side became a whole lot stronger than the Median, so much so that the Median side was not even a thing really to have to do with anymore. And so it was a united kingdom, but part of that kingdom was a whole lot stronger than the other part of that kingdom. All right? Raised up on one side, Medo-Persian Empire. Here's the third beast. What's the third beast? You tell me. The leopard, all right? Y'all still interested in this? This is interesting stuff. This is history for us on display. The leopard represents the Grecian Empire. Again, we've studied this in the past, but it represents the, the Greeks that rose to power after the Medo-Persian nation. In verse 7, the Bible says, um, sorry, verse 6, the Bible says, And this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and expectedly, and at a very young age, the kingdom was divided into four parts. When it talks about how this leopard had four heads, it's talking about the four parts of the Grecian Empire that the empire was divided up into. And they were given dominion over the known world of that time. When their time was done, that gave rise to the fourth fearsome beast, which isn't even given a description here, really, of what type of beast it was. Just a terribly fearsome beast. And it that fourth beast represents the Roman Empire. That came to power uh, after, after the Greek Empire. And so the Bible tells us in verse number 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. Oh boy, remember Rome was represented by iron and Nebuchadnezzar's statue as well? Represents their strength and their power. And it devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, unlike anything the world had ever seen. 
Uh, Rome, with its, with, its, with its organization and its structure and its iron fist and its political system, it was, it, was, it was a unique nation unlike anything this world had ever encountered before. And the Bible says that it had ten horns. And I don't have time to get into it, but that, had, that, had a, that has a direct fulfillment in the Roman Empire itself and will have a future fulfillment in the revived Roman Empire that will come in the kingdom of the Antichrist, which we'll talk about more in just a minute. And so he saw these four beasts rising up. It represents the path of world dominion that was coming on the scene after Daniel passes off the scene. This was prophecy. And the wonderful thing that we get to look back on is to see how all of this prophecy, much of it, had, was fulfilled. We get to look back on is to see how all of this prophecy, much of it, had, was fulfilled. There in the end, and they shall possess the kingdom. That's what the Bible says. And so God made clear <coughs> that these four kingdoms of the earth, they're going to come to an end. And then there'll be one kingdom united under one king, and that is God who will be the king, and he'll reign forever. Now, at this point in this particular aspect of the dream, we saw the kingdoms of the world, but now we see the rise of the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of Satan. And let's read on. He's still in his dream, and he sees all of these things happening. Out of that fourth beast, ten horns, he sees ten horns on it. And in the midst of those ten horns, eventually there came up one little horn that as it came up, it, 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 it literally and shall devour the whole earth. Again, this is going to be a whole earth devouring. This is going to be a one world government. Not just the known world, the whole world. Now, there is a past moment of this. But under comparing the prophecy of Daniel with the prophecy of Revelation, we understand there is a future fulfillment of this. And we, call, we often refer to it as the power and influence. He's going to overthrow three of those world leaders in the process of doing so. And assume dominion over their realms. And he is going to become so powerful. The Bible says he's going to be someone who says he's all for peace in the world. But there'll come a certain point in his, time, in, his, in his tenure that God will allow him to have when the script is going to flip. Uh, create a law and order in this world that is anti-God. Whatever God has said, he's going to try to get the world to believe and do the opposite. He's going to think to change times and even seasons. In time, the last part of the tribulation in Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy, you know what it's called? It's called the Great Tribulation. It's going to be literally the closest thing to hell on earth. The thing, the kind of judgments that the end. His power will be taken away and his kingdom will forever be destroyed. I can't wait till I can say good riddance to the devil. Amen. Amen. The kingdom of Satan. And the, third, and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high. Whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey. Jesus came the first time. That's why we have the hope of salvation. But boy, we know when he comes the second time, he's not coming for salvation. He's coming for judgment. He's coming for judgment. Mock the word of God. Every person who likes to defy the truth of God. Every person who tries to stand against the work of God. Every person. It grieves my heart. I don't have any ill will to God rejectors. I don't have any ill will. In fact, I have, I have pity. My heart breaks for people. 
He will speak a word when he comes in the clouds. Just a word spoken through the sword of his mouth. And the entire host of the armies of Satan gathered at the battle of Armageddon will be destroyed. Satan will be defeated. He's going to descend on this earth. A great earthquake is going to take place as soon as he touches the ground. And this world has never seen anything like what, it, what is going to happen when Jesus Christ comes again to this earth? He'll touch down on this earth. They've ever done. The books will be opened and they'll be read. And they will be never done. The books will be opened and they'll be read. And they will be judged. Along with Satan and his demons. Cast into hellfire. The front row seats of literally the most spectacular things that will ever happen in this world's history. I'm looking forward to it. I, 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 I'm with the Apostle John when he prayed at the end of the book of Revelation. Even so, we have hope, a living hope that we already sing about in Jesus Christ our Savior. Whatever happens in this world, we do not have to have a mind that is warped. And, and so the responsibility is on us. Friend, you don't know when it's going to be too late. You got a family member that you've been delaying witnessing to? You have a friend that you have been hesitating? I just, the Bible says. All the things we've talked about are going to be fulfilled. You have today, right now, as the Spirit is drawing you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are not guaranteed any other moment but now. And that is why the preach, but because of the contents that are in this message. What are you going to do with it? Is this just going to be more knowledge in your head? Yeah, I know what prophecy. I know the prophecy. Are you going to let the prophecy affect your heart? Who do you need to witness to this week? Do you need to get saved? I don't know what your response needs to be, but I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And I hope that many of you will follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to do that tonight. So let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. God has spoken to your heart as a music. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, please step out and come right now. We will meet you at the front. We will help you come to know Christ as your Savior. But do not delay any longer. You come trust Christ. We want to help you do it. You just come right now.
there's some continuing to pray up here in our confidence in the Lord. And specifically next week, as we finish our study in, the, in Daniel chapter 7, um, I'm going to share with you some um, responses that we should have um, that I believe will be very encouraging to you. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to continuing on in this study, and I appreciate your faithfulness to be here and to lock in to learn a lot of these prophetic truths that the Word of God uh, has to teach to us. Now, um, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, well, I'm not going to take a minute to play the video, but I'd just like to take a minute to remind you um, about, our, about our Easter um, opportunities, uh, canvassing uh, at 4 o'clock on uh, uh, Wednesdays in the afternoon there, and on Saturdays at 10 o'clock in the morning, we're going to be going out and trying to get as many invites into our, into our community for the, the Easter egg hunt and for all of the Easter events, and of course, just to our church in general. And if you've never done that before, you should come. I promise you, you'll be encouraged um, getting out into the community and inviting other people to church. Um, but the biggest thing you can do is take flyers yourself and invite the people you personally know. Come sit with you on Easter Sunday. Uh, such an easy Sunday to get people to come to church. And I hope that you'll take advantage of that church. And I hope to see many more of you out this week. We need an army of people. Uh, our teenagers are going, all right? And we need some adults to step up to get out there and to share, and to share the good news of the gospel. And uh, uh, we're just canvassing right now. It's really not difficult. It's a great way to kind of learn the ropes. And so I encourage you to do that this week. Um, and we've got several opportunities with, with Easter coming up. We need an army of you to sign up. Now, some of you, um, uh, you don't sign up, you just show up. And we're glad you do, okay? Uh, but it helps with planning and preparation if you would sign up so that we know who's planning to be there. So we make sure we have all the gaps filled for all the different, uh, uh, different uh, needs that they're going to be at a major event like this. And uh, so I appreciate you uh, being faithful with getting involved in those things. And uh, let's have a good week this week. Let's shine as lights and be salt this week. And let's remember we win in the end. Okay? All right. Let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. And uh, I'd like to ask Brother Eric Fisher, if you would, dismiss us in prayer. Father in heaven.